Spoiler alert! Hello everyone and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. We are doing Of Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia. But before I continue, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast means a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. One more thing. I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app, Libro.fm, lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get two books for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the link in the show notes. And back to the podcast. Our session was recorded on May 6th. And uh, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy Book Club. All right, officially opening Book Club today. Today's book is this wonderful book called Off Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia. Erin's going to help me today with the moderation. But first question is always... First thoughts. First question, first thoughts. Who wants to go? All right, Jen Brown. I'll go. Um, this this was just okay for me. Um, I didn't I didn't love it. And I think it was that I was a little lost in some of the um, timeline or the, the different voices. I think there are a few too many different voices. I read in the end of the book that she started off with this being a set of short stories. And I think for me, that would have worked a little better. Um, just trying to find the ties between the characters was a little distracting. And I lost the threads with a lot of their stories as I was going. So I just found it a little confusing. I didn't, I didn't love it. Thank you so much because you're saying whatever I was thinking. So I'm like, thank you. It, you know, sometimes it's like you have this book that's Good Morning America is talking about this book and you see these author interviews and everyone's like, oh my goodness, Off Women and Salt, it's amazing. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, oh, confusing, too many characters, timeline was messed up, what was going on, who's connected to who, I didn't love it, can I even say that? And then I'm like, Jen Brown, you said it, yes, thank you. So yeah, all right, who's next? I'll go. Um, you know, did you guys do the audiobooks out of curiosity? No? Yeah. Okay. So there is a key at the beginning of the paper book. I don't know if you guys saw this, but it's like a pedigree of who's who and how they related to each other. And so that was life-saving for me. 
that. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, so, so that helped. Um, but um, in in general, I, I felt kind of the same. It reminded me a lot of Girl, Woman, Other with the, you know, different perspectives of the same group of related individuals and even kind of similar topics, even though the settings were a little different. But I, I felt like I didn't connect with the characters quite as well in this one than I that I did with the other. So it, I agree, it was kind of okay for me. Erin, you're next, but real quick, I'll say that I had the book. I mean, I have the ARC, but once I got the audio from, um, I think, the library, I was like, audio goes fast. So I did the audio, and then later on, after I finished the book, is when I think, Erin, you told me about the pedigree, and I'm going, uh, I wish, but oh well. All right, Erin, that's you. Um, yeah, so I I enjoyed it. Uh, I did not do the audiobook. I did do the hard copy. I agree with what um, Jen said, Dr. Jen said that um, the pedigree at the beginning, I, I think I used it every chapter to orient myself, uh, which was very useful. I think that one thing that I really appreciated about this story as compared, I, I agree it has some similarities with some of the other books that we've read um, as far as uh, layout and then um, some similar topics, but I really enjoyed hearing, well, I shouldn't say, I don't want to say enjoyed, that's probably not the right word. I appreciated hearing about how it it is um, to really like encounter ICE in, um, or ICE, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, and also the migrant detention facilities and what they are like. I appreciated hearing those stories. I think that's something that American Dirt, you know, we, we never had that perspective, even though we were visiting a similar topic. And I also appreciated the, the contrast between, even though they're Spanish speaking, it was the mother-daughter set, Anna and Gloria, versus Cuban Spanish background for Janet's family and, and her ancestors. And I do think that there is a contrast there. Um, so I appreciated those perspectives, but I agree it was pretty short, so you couldn't get into relationship with the characters as much as some of the other books that we've read. You think that a book should have a table like this or you know like fantasy books have a map I never really refer back to a map and Erin's like nodding yes 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 but here's the thing when I'm reading I never refer back I just I look at it maybe after I'm done reading I go back to it because I just don't see myself going reading okay wait 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 let me look it up it's kind of like if you're learning English and you don't understand half the words you have to look up the words in the dictionary is going to take away from the story. And that's kind of how I feel with, oh, let me look up this character. Oh, you are related. How? Oh, the map. Wait, you're going from where to where? Oh, okay. I just feel it would take away from my reading. I've never really done it. The story, maybe I should have. Maybe with the audio, I should have just, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I know Erin's like smiling. She's like, yes, yes, yes. I'm like... I, yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So I've read that back like in upper elementary uh, middle school and I made my own tables for reference. So I, that helped me with my overall experience and keep everybody straight. But that's probably just maybe my brain 
you know, or neuropathy or, or I'm not neuropathy, like my brain, like neuro connections, I guess is the right word. Geek. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Healy, you're next. No, I, I was going to say I do the same thing. And it w- I was so confused the first time I read Lord of the Rings and that whole series, because all the names kind of sounded similar to me, like Saruman and Sauron. And I'm like, are they the same? And it, and it wasn't until I really saw the movie that I was able to like put faces to the characters. But anyway, yes, I, I, I actually I did refer back to the, the pedigree thing at the beginning of the book a few times because I was confused. If a book does not have a pedigree, then do you guys suggest... Like I told you, Erin, when we did Go Woman Other to actually take notes. Like I actually said, take notes, otherwise forget this book. And it's just, I don't know. I think authors are trying to make things more complicated and more confusing and more convoluted maybe. I don't know. They're kind of like trying to up the story from the last great book. And that's why, like if you look at a movie or something, you know, you've got this villain and the hero if you look 50 years ago there was one big battle and then the villain died now there's one big battle the villain almost died but then he came back then there was another battle and then the villain came back and then it keeps going it's like kill him already it's like how many four or five battles later is finally when the villain dies and that's how i feel about these books with all these characters is it or am I, is it just me going nope that's not it i, mean, I think it depends what you're looking for but they're I think more in the line of fantasy books that you have to, I feel like there's often many of those where you have to keep track of who the characters are, especially if it's a series. But this one, I think it was hard because there were a lot of different women and you are like chapter to chapter changing like where you are in the timeline. And that also means where you are in the generation of people. So yeah, I think if you're going to have a confusing timeline or if you're going to have a fantasy series where there's like a hundred characters, then you got to, <laughs> you have to have a reference. I think the timeline issue with this book and Girl, Woman, Other is the issue that it's not a sequential timeline. What happens is you have 10 characters and they're related to each other somehow, but there is no sequence of relations. So you go from letter A to letter J to letter E to letter B to letter, and then you're like, I don't even care. They're just, it's alphabet soup at this point. So it's either, I don't know, the author needs to do it sequentially, or is it, you think, was there a mystery to this to do the timeline like that? Was there, do you feel if the timeline was sequential, the story would have lost its value? If you started in Cuba, you know, it started in Cuba with this beautiful story in the plantation and all of that was just so beautiful with the book. And then the next thing you know, it's, I'm like, what? Wait, I don't care about this American story. I want the Cuban story. I was the same way. I was so upset that it never went back to the original story. I kept like turning, well, I wasn't turning pages because I was listening to, to the audiobook, but I kept waiting for those characters to come back and hear more of that story. And I guess, that was just an introduction or she had written that as a short story, but I, I never really got over my disappointment for her just like leaving us hanging with that, which to me was the best part of the book. Today, Jen's just mirroring whatever I'm thinking. I mean, like it's like whatever I'm thinking, it's like, you're just saying, this is great. I just gotta shut up. And Jen would be like, okay, all right, Erin. 
I mean, I agree with what Jen just said. I loved the beginning and I wanted to revisit those characters. And even like towards the end where Jeanette's grandmother, like you realize that she purposefully hid the books in the the walls of the house. You kind of start to get a glimpse like you're going to go back and then you still don't. Um, (laughs) So I, I agree. I was a little disappointed on that front. I don't know if there was value added to the time shift in this book. I, I think at the, I was fine with the the beginning where you're kind of like going from a long time ago to modern times. But like when Jeanette, when you hear um, Jeanette's story, then it's just like, it's not sequential. And so I couldn't get, I couldn't figure out like, did she get clean and she's relapsed or like, like what's going on with her drug addiction? I think that, it was helpful to know Jeanette and know that where she was at at the beginning. And then you have that first little glimpse back in her life where you figure out kind of like what set her on the path of drugs. But I'm not sure that, that you needed to keep like going back and forth, back and forth in, in the in-between. <laughs> you know, I just figured something out. This book is a mixed genre. It starts off as historic fiction. And, you know, for historic fiction fans, you love that time and you're learning something new and those characters and the cultures and all of that. And you're there. It's, so it starts off with historic fiction and then it just completely switches into contemporary fiction. And I think that's the other jarring factor of this book. As an author, I feel you can break things up, but genre switching this this much of a genre switching is jarring to me because I'm cheated I was getting this beautiful historic fiction story just to tell me nope you took you know you what is it you took the bait goodbye it's the wrong genre by the way we are going to talk about contemporary fiction and contemporary American lives and drug you know drug use and ice detentions and all of that. There is zero comparison. I mean, you cannot put the two together. It just blows my mind. All right, Jen Brown. Which is why going back to my original statement, it should have been short stories because I think you can genre switch if you're doing short stories and each one has its own title and its own you know, description, Cuba 1860 or whenever it was. And then you're in that, you're in that mood for that short story and your brain automatically makes that switch when you turn the page. For me, the audiobook reader didn't change from character to character. It was the same gal all the way through. I think she was the same one who read Mexican Gothic and she got on my nerves in that book too. Just the way she pronounces something. Somebody yelled at her halfway through this book and she started pronouncing things correctly. Anyway, that's a whole different conversation. But I think the short story thing would have worked for her. She wouldn't have had to pull these random connections between like Anna and Jeanette like that was unnecessary that they had to meet at that one just to make it like have them make them have a connection I don't know it just felt like it felt like she didn't think it through completely and it was forced for me what is this book about what is this book about what do you think is the author's premise and why what is the author trying to say why do you think the author's trying to say what they're trying to say we're trying to read the author's mind but yeah. What is the promise of this book? Because I don't know. I mean, because part of me is going historic fiction. It's a beautiful story. I'm going, no, the author just wants to really talk about the current immigration crisis and ICE. And then I'm going, but I don't understand why that was there. 
I don't know what the premise is. So, all right, Jen Brown. No, not Jen Brown. Sorry, Dr. Healy, you're next. I wasn't sure what the point was either. I know they kept coming back to um, the we are force and we are more we are more than we think we are. And so maybe they were trying to connect um, feeling that way back in Havana, the pe- way that the people were resisting with what people are resisting today. I'm, I'm not really sure. And the other part I was kind of confused about too was where did the salt come from in the title? Like I know that she mentioned a few times that like there were oceans that were salty and the sweat was salty and was that it? Like I, I, I wasn't really sure. So she talked about that in the, the little interview at the end of the audiobook, And she said, cause I was really curious too, that never came together for me. And she said, oh, the words women and the word salt came up a lot. So I just made the title that. And I felt like that was kind of in line with the whole, like this, like her lack of vision for this whole thing was just sort of a theme for me. And that title just didn't make any sense, especially hearing her talk about it. I'm like, maybe I missed it and that's on me. But when she said, like, I just used those words a couple of times. So I put them in the title. I was just a little disappointed. You know, um, so I'm writing a book and for the longest time, I went through the entire, like I wrote the entire first draft, okay? The entire novel. And my document title was novel one dot one, novel one dot two, you know, like second. And um, and it only came to the point when I started sending the document to some people to read the first 20 pages or something, I'm going, okay, I can't just send you a document that says novel what is the title? Because I always, people like, what is the title? I'm kind of like, I'll deal with it later. Let me get the story done. I'll deal with the title later. And uh, well, finally I took a title. It's based on a play. So I took the title of the play and I put it in and it actually works. However, in this case, I'm wondering if she pulled a schnoz. (laughs) Like basically, (laughs) like wrote this thing, no title, and then said, um, what do I come up with? Although I'm trying to think in one of my author interviews, I, maybe I'm putting words in my own mouth. The author said that the publisher recommends titles sometimes. Like even if say she said of women and salt, a publisher might say, well, let's switch things around. So that's another thing that concerns me is, this is um, Flatiron, right? Yeah, Flatiron, what are you doing? I mean, why didn't you switch things around? Don't know, but that's interesting, Jen Brown. I mean, that she just says, oh, women shows up a lot, so shows up a lot. (laughs) I... (laughs) That's a very satisfying answer. I agree. I'm pretty disappointed in that that response. Oh, man. Okay, but as far as points of the book. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, you're disappointed, but what did you think the title meant then? I mean, you're disappointed, which means you, ex- you had an expectation somewhere. I did. I did have an expectation. <laughs> I kept, like, these women were very much, I felt, like, tied to, like, the land, the water, and so, like, salt of the earth, like, I don't know, like, that's kind of where I thought that this was coming from, but clearly that was not right, (laughs) so um, I read too much into that, 
What was your comment? You had a comment after that. Well, yeah. So I was going to say, like, as far as the point of the story, I really felt like the two families, it was maybe two different points, but then the overreaching being that like we are forced and I took that to mean like, like we fight, like we're not going to give up, like we're going to move forward despite what gets thrown at us sort of a thing. But for Janet, 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but for her family, Jeanette, Jeanette, is that how they said in the audio? Okay. The audio is Jeanette. Okay. So Jeanette's family, there's a lot of abuse that happens just generation after generation. And I felt like there was a comment like this whole thing was like a commentary about cyclic nature of abuse. And also like, while, you know, well, and, and really, I mean, it started before Jeanette's grandmother, but, you know, Jeanette's mother and her grandmother don't talk because her grandmother murdered her grandfather. Right. And her mom saw this, but I don't think that Jeanette's mother realized the kinds of abuse that were happening between her parents, you know, and, and would she have felt differently if she was old enough to understand that, that her mom was trying to protect her and her, her siblings, her sister, you know, I don't, I don't know if she would have felt differently. Um, But I thought that there was really like a commentary there about the cyclic nature of abuse and how it erodes trust in a family and how it can not just between the people, you know, the victim and, and the person, the abuser, but it can affect trust within the whole family unit for generations. But that's not, I don't think the message from Anna and Gloria, I mean, I don't know if there's an overreaching message there other than that Gloria wanted a better life and the environment in which that she was in, which, I mean, there was a little bit of a commentary about how I think our, you know, our government has caused instability in Central America and that doesn't get talked about a lot here. And so maybe that was part of the commentary there, but, you know, she just was coming here to try to get a better life in the long run. Did Anna end up having a better life? You know, we don't know that they just, she gets in the beach and then she's in this apartment and we don't know that, but I do want to address the cyclic nature of abuse. Is it the cyclic nature of abuse or is it the cultural nature of abuse that gets passed down from generation to generation? Thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's both. If you are raised in a culture of abuse, you think that's normal. You maybe don't know anything but abuse, even though you may recognize that that it's not normal. It can be very hard once you realize that to overcome what you've been socialized regarding, you know, so I think it's both. And I don't know if you can really like tease those things out. Okay. It's just interesting. You know, you have a lot of books with male abusers. I'm just wondering, it's just, I know we're doing this book, but you know, in books in general, like what is it even against the loveless world, you have like just men who are just men and I just find it interesting. Yeah, even in my book, you know, it's just men, man who's a total jerk. But, you know, it's just it's just an interesting commentary on um, cultures and society in general and the state of being, the state of the patriarchy, whether you're in America or in Cuba. 
All right, Aaron, I told you you were going to take the lead on this, and I'm just kind of like talking, talking, talking. So you want to take over for a bit? Well, one of my questions was, were there, so I think that one thing that stood out to me about the book is that there's some really beautiful lines, some really great prose in here. Um, I wouldn't say that the whole book is like that, but there's, you know, there's good pieces throughout. So I was curious if there were quotes from the book that anybody really felt like, like moved them or spoke to them. I'm not really a quote person. I don't write them down. I read them and I reread them and I appreciate them, but then I move on. I don't highlight or write in my books because I just never have. There were, there, there were some, I totally agree with you. She's a good writer and she has potential. I think she can grow from here, but not in quote form. But one of the parts I was, re- I was listening to this on a walk and there was one part of the walk where I like was going home, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep listening. So I'm going to like veer off and go a different way. And it was the Carmen part when she was hosting a party and there was like roaring coming from the house across the street. And I just had to know what was going on with that. Like I was so interested. And then it turned out to be absolutely nothing. And it was like totally didn't affect the story in any way. And I was kind of like, oh, um, but but she can write, you know, she can write so that you care so that you, you know, returning pages. And I think she could she could do more of that. She's a good writer. I just didn't the overall effect wasn't lost on me. I don't think that answers your question. Sorry. (laughs) Is this our first book? Yeah. I did the audio. And generally when I do audios, you know, at two and a half times the speed, I listen to it. I'm like, oh, great quote. And it just keeps going. I'm not going to stop, rewind, play it again. And then once I've done the audio, I'm not going to go back and actually read this. I know a lot of people on Bookstagram, they write these quotes down. And then in their reviews, they start off with the quote and all the blah, 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 fluff stuff. Uh, that's not me. I'm just like, here's my review. This many stars. Okay. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Uh, so sorry, Aaron, no quotes here. Yeah. And I, uh, I had highlighted some things and then my book, I returned to the library last night. So I no longer have my highlights, <laughs> um, but it's fine. Uh, I, I think the only things that really jumps out at me and that I remember were just those, that we are force and the, that we're more than we think we are that had gotten written in the, um, in that old book that from the original, you know, back at the beginning. And I, you I highlighted I, your library book. I was going to say the well, same thing. Shana. No, no, it's on Kindle. Um, so I, so it, okay, it's an ebook. Sorry, I don't I do any papers that. anymore. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> you just said it. So matter of fact, I highlighted oh, it, my book and I returned it. Yeah, the no, the Kindle, um, the Kindle the lets Kindle, you highlight things, and Kindle it actually. App- Okay, got it. Yeah, got it, it. it saves your highlights if you ever um, borrow it again. Um, so, so yeah, I, I I bookmark pages and you know save things, and I had you know put it on my my list to borrow again so I could go back and look at those things, and then it is back in the queue. So, but yeah, so no, just the Kindle. <laughs> there was one particular quote that stood out to me that like I did mark it in here, and it was on it's from Gloria, and she's talking about like how she she has the. Uh, red smear beside her bed from praying until her knees bled for her daughter and it says I fear I too am losing my mind I don't know why I'm here and I am alone and I am praying to a god I'm not sure exists but if she exists she is surely a bird 
Surely a migrating bird doing battle. Surely she will break these walls. And I just thought it was like such a powerful statement. And I don't feel like in books that God is referred to as a woman, like ever, like from any perspective of religion. And it just like, I mean, like it like blew me away to hear it said in a book. And I guess that's a whole nother commentary is like, why, like she, she called God a woman, you know, I feel like some people would read that it, and, you know, it generally, it, when we're talking about women from Central America, from Mexico, from, from Latin American countries, usually you're talking about a, a Catholic religion, I, and which maybe, and I think we probably are here, but also I think think it was a shout out to like more of the native culture because birds and female deities I think are recognized in South American culture and Central American if I'm remembering correctly but I just thought it was just really interesting and something that a lot of people probably need to hear because <laughs> I, I personally don't think that that maybe God has uh, and this is me going out on a limb here so please um I, I know this is a safe place, but I don't personally feel like God has a gender. Like, I don't even care who, who God is, like whatever religion you come from. I, I don't really think that God probably has a gender, but um, I, and so I appreciated hearing God called a woman because like almost a hundred percent of the time God is called a man. So, and maybe that's that commentary on abuse too. There's going to yeah. be some churches that's going to just say, this is absolute sacrilege and some yes watch out it's going to get a banned book just because of god being a woman but <laughs> that's a totally different commentary there but so what else are we discussing about this book erin favorite character we haven't done that yet okay my favorite character is the one the book started off with the yeah who was it the maria isabel oh yeah and oh. cecilia was the daughter cecilia is the daughter maria isabel and with her and her husband who died but it's just and the reading and the book and I don't know there's just something so oh I just felt like she was this wonderful woman and wearing this flowy dress and you know that culture and that timeline and it was just like oh my gosh I love her well I am admitting someone to a book club right now uh let me just admit her and I'll surprise you guys. No, it's not the author. No, 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 no. It's you guys are like, oh my gosh, no. This is um, someone who has not been in our book club for a while. So I was like, whoa, welcome. I know I, I, I shouldn't say that because I do tend to do that. I, uh, like I, like I told you guys, I have contacted every single author just about all the time. And I DM this author and I didn't get a DM back. That's kind of where it's, it is at for me. Uh, so Deborah, welcome. Haven't seen you in 10 million years. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's been about 10 million years or so. How is everyone? I, I just want to let you know, I just wanted to listen. I did not read. I have been too busy writing um, my dissertation. And I think I mentioned that to you last time. I'm in the writing phases. I passed my comp. So I am doing a, a, a combination of things and also writing about 300 or 400 pages for my self-study. So, yeah, I haven't had a chance to read. I, 
I apologize. <laughs> How but is you're everyone? welcome. But you're welcome. We're all doing well. You are very welcome. Can we get to see you? Sure. Hold on. Let me turn on my camera. I'm sorry. I was looking a, a mess, so I decided to not put my camera on. <laughs> what? You don't look like a mess. What are you talking about? <laughs> you're so nice. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we're talking about this book of women and salt. And um, we're talking about, you know, we originally talked about like what the book is about and our favorite genre, like we thought it was a genre switch, but then it's like favorite characters. So yep, mine is the first character. It could also be that that's who the book started off with. And you know, when the book starts off with someone, you just, you just immediately, you know, you're sucked in because of that person and that's who you fall in love with. I don't know. That's kind of how I felt with her. Anyone else favorite characters? Um, the, the, the woman who killed Danielle, who was that again? Hold on. Let me look at the um, front of the book. Um, sorry. It's not on there. Okay. I don't know. The woman who Carmen's mother, Dolores, Dolores. I liked her too. I liked her time, you know, the way she had to go through all the stages of grief before she even left her husband. Um, can I do this? Can I do this on my own? Am I going to survive? Are my kids going to survive? And then she kind of did what she felt like she had to do. I thought her, her story was really interesting. Her voice was somewhat unique from the other voices, which was uh, refreshing given the rest of the book kind of running together for me as far as like uh, some of the character voices. But I, I did like, I did like Dolores's chapter as gruesome as it kind of was. Didn't she kill her husband? Didn't she? Yeah, she's the one big who killed time. her husband. And oh, yeah, big time. And then, yeah, I was in the back. Yeah, it was, it was good stuff. Yeah. 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 With the machete. Yeah, it was it was really good. It was it was awesome. But you know, it was, it was great. It, it was just like, I've been told like, as you know, like other writers or whatever, they're telling me that your main character has to do what is your character doing? to get her out of the situation. There's, I mean, the only way she could get out is to hack her way out. And she did, <laughs> like quite literally. It's like, it's pretty good though. That was, that was very impressive. I was gonna say her as well, because like she, so she plans out this whole thing. Like I'm gonna be a typist, right? And I'm gonna move with my girls to uh, Havana and we're gonna make it. And I'm just going to leave him here and, and, you know, his drunk self here. Then, unfortunately, that's not how that's going to go. And so she just decides to, no, I'm going to kill him with the machete. (laughs) Which I was like, I was shocked. But when we talk about the genre switching, that could have been like a horror. As could have been the roaring wild cat in the Florida scene. So... (laughs) I mean, we got every genre here in this book, all in one. <laughs> I think the author just wanted someone to like the book and said, you know what, I'm going to give something for everyone. Because I'll tell you, as I'm writing my book, I'm thinking everyone's going to hate it. So let's just throw this in. No, let's just throw this in. Let's just throw the kitchen sink in. Why not? You know, so, you, you know, she's just throwing horror in, historic fiction, contemporary fiction. Let's throw ice in. Let's just throw drugs let's just throw it all in and and let's throw in a beautiful beautiful historic copy of what was it Les Mis right 
of Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. This, I mean, come on. You have off women and salt, you have immigration and all that. And then you're talking a copy of a literary fiction novel. Where does that even fit in? I'm just like mind blown. All right, Erin, go. Well, I was just going to answer that question. Like, I think that she was trying to say there that, you know, there's a lot of people who have a generalization about people from the, you know, Latinx community. And I think that that was her way of saying, like, like they, they are educated. We had copies of Les Mis that were translated into Spanish. And, you know, this was our culture. And I thought it was very interesting that, you know, they, that she even included in that beginning story, how you would hire lecturers to go to the factories to, to lecture on topics or read um, classical works while you're doing your work. Like that's pretty, that's advanced, right? Like that is a culture. (laughs) And I think that was her way of saying like, we are not, the the uneducated you know stereotype that many Americans have made us out to be, Dr. Jim. Uh, yeah, and she even said it um, pretty literally too with Jeanette when she stole the book, and then she was like, "Oh, she's Grandma's not even going to know that it's missing." And then Grandma comes in and was like, "Of course, the, this book was stolen. It was very valuable, and I hid it in the walls, and now I got it back." And and Jeanette was like, "Well, I I, I guess maybe why, why wouldn't she know some culture, right?" So, yeah, I think that's exactly it. I like your perspective, Erin, that of the misconception of oh, they're from Cuba. They're, they don't have any culture. You know, it's almost like white Americans are the bearers of culture. Everyone else has no culture. Blacks have no culture. Asians have no culture. Hispanics have no culture. Nobody has culture except for white Americans. So you're right. You're, you're absolutely right that that's kind of probably one of the messages that she was trying to say that, hey, different, you know, there are so many different cultures and all these cultures have education and storytelling and it's all beautiful. And, you know, maybe another thing that we haven't really talked about is that, you know, the Latinx community is culturally diverse. So like Janet's family was from Cuba and you have this, you know, very rich um, story around that. But then Gloria and Anna are from Central America and they land in Mexico because, you know, I guess uh, our country thinks that all people that are Spanish speaking just go back to Mexico. Uh, You know, I think that that was maybe that's also part of the commentary there. Maybe it could be. But isn't that the truth, though? It's a commentary, but. I just feel that it needs to be said because we parcel, well, all Hispanics are one people, one culture, one everything. Everything south of the border, all the way down to potentially even Patagonia, all the way down to South America, you're all one country, one culture, and that's it, the end. So you're right, Erin, absolutely. All right, Erin, what are, what are the questions you have for us? So we, we didn't have any male voices in the story, like from told from a male perspective. So uh, was there a male character in the book that you wish we would have heard his perspective? The guy in jail. The guy in jail. I was just, that whole story, I was just like, I want no more. 
Yeah, and uh, Jen Brown, you have your hand up. Who remind me of the who the guy in jail was? Jeanette's uh, boyfriend was it the boyfriend or yeah, the boyfriend who was doing drugs with her, and then he went into jail. And I think Jeanette was trying to come clean and they were trying to have a relationship, but they were trying not to have a relationship where Jeanette said, no, I'm done. And he was like, no, I love you. And it was just, it was just a messed up relationship, but I just felt an angst for him. I don't know why, but I felt an angst for him. Like he wanted Jeanette and he wanted it to work, but he couldn't make it work. But he was the one who got her on drugs, right? When he was like, Try yes. This one and you're not yes. supposed to. No, let's just do it. I think every guy in the book was right. so over the top awful. And that, that was her point, right? I guess that these women overcame these, these relationships with these horrible men. But even in the like the department store, the guy who was with the wife who was like lying about stuff and you know, totally dragging her down. Every single guy that all these women encountered was just an absolute sack of trash. That was that was another theme throughout the book. So I didn't want to hear from any of these men. They were all just the worst. I would have liked to see one like good guy in the lot, but there wasn't a single like decent person. Unless I'm forgetting somebody. That's why I was like, who's the guy in jail? Maybe he was good. No, he wasn't. <laughs> well, he loved her. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, what's love got to do with it, right? <laughs> it's only a secondary emotion. <laughs> what is it? I'm getting my entertainer turner here. <laughs> but okay, you know, now that you bring it up that all the guys were really bad in this book, what do you think a male reading this book would think and or feel? I know what I'm asking you to put yourself into the position of a man, but well, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, when was the last time that we asked what a female would think about how a male wrote about them a hundred years ago? But, <laughs> um, you know, we, uh, we were moms and harlots, maybe. Is that the right word? <laughs> um, yeah, that was about what we got. So no, I'm sure men would probably not be very happy with how they're portrayed in this story. But I also don't know that how self-reflective that they would be being in that moment of saying like they felt really badly about how they were portrayed. But there was one good guy, very first guy that marries, is it Maria Isabella? Maria Isabel, but he gets murdered. So not by her, but by the government. So. I love that. Not by her, but the government. And he was a good guy. That is true. Jen Brown, you have your hand up. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that guy. And I rescind my earlier statements about every guy being a bag of trash because he was great. He was, I liked him. But to answer your question, how would men feel? And it's totally right that nobody asks how women feel about like the Iliad and the Odyssey where we're just, you know, things. I know men that would read this book and take it as a personal affront. Like the men are all bad and they're saying men are all bad and they would be so mad but I also know men on the other side who would read this and think I need to hear this I need to know what what these women feel like that are in these situations because it's absolutely uh the case in certain you know relationships so I think it depends on the man I think men should read it I would love if all men read it so hopefully more like the latter who can you know empathize with the women in the story as a woman I know Jen you said you wanted to see 
at least one good man, which there was, but as a woman, how do you feel about an imbalance in the good man versus the bad men? Or are you all like, um, for me, I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, yes, let's do it. I, I, I mean, that's just me. I'm like, you know what? Screw you. Is what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm just being blunt here. But how do you guys feel about that? I think the one good man, sorry, I keep talking um, out of turn, but the one good man who can show the juxtaposition between the bad ones is really important. Um, so I'm glad that I forgot about first a guy because it felt like a different book, but he, you know, shows that men can be strong and men can be wise and men can be caring and loving and juxtaposed against that. All the other men seem just like bullies. I'm okay with them seem seeming like bullies because there, there are a lot of them out there. I think this was like two books. There was that beautiful historic fiction romance in that beginning, that was a totally different book, right? And then you had the rest of the book, kind of, sort of. I think that's what the book is. It's it's one short story and the book, or maybe like Jen, you said it's several short stories, but. And now that I'm thinking about it like that, maybe that's also part of like the point because the most stable point of either of these families was at the very beginning and in, in that couple and they're falling in love. And then, then all of a sudden there's this political upheaval that they have no control over and it ruins her life and sets into motion this turmoil. And I think that, you know, when you are living in turmoil, whether it's political turmoil or whether it's like a personal turmoil, like what Dolores grew up in, well, what Dolores was living in and what um, Janet's mother was was growing up in, that shapes the decisions that you make. And sometimes it's like, you know, you're just trying to survive. And like the first doctor that comes along, you know, in, in Janet's mom's case, or, you know, the first person who has the resources that you need comes along. Like you, you don't necessarily make decisions out of love for a partner. You're making decisions out of survival. And then if you have kids out of survival for your children. And so your, your decisions in your life get shaped by this turmoil. And so that, but that is also leading to like more turmoil and more instability in this story. I don't know. That just occurred to me when we were talking through that timeline so you know they say the basic needs of uh men women so what is it food shelter clothing and sex and i heard this I was like wait where did the sex part come in and actually the sex part comes in because as a basic necessity it is to propagate the species so when you talk about you know, like, oh my gosh, it's trauma. What, like I absolutely, to survive, right? Part of survival is food, shelter, clothing, but sex is also survival of the species. And that's why it's one of the four supposedly basic needs. So Erin, to answer your question, I mean, we have this love and romanticized version in our lives and, you know, we meet this guy and he's wonderful, all of that. But what you're talking about is, oh, these women, you know, met this guy and it wasn't necessarily for a love or a 
romantic relationship, it was for survival. It, it goes under that one of the four basics for survival. So uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking when you said that. I was like, that is true. Kind of interesting. Okay, should I uh, bring up uh, title and covers? I know we discussed title, but do you want to talk about title some more? What is your, okay, what is your rating of the title now that you know what it means? Or you know what? Actually, hold on. I'm going to ask Deborah this question because she, she has not read the book. No, you're, you're shaking your head, but I know you haven't read the book. And that's why I want to ask you, here is this book. What are your thoughts about this title and this cover? Do you want to read this book? Do you not want to read this book? And how would you rate the title and the cover of this book? Deborah, you go first, because you weren't there when we discussed the actual, the title stuff. So why are you putting me on the spot? (laughs) Because I I like to. It's just because I'm just obnoxious that way. You know that. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, when I, when I see that title, I don't know what to make of it. It's kind of like, hmm. A little esoteric. I, I, I mean, me personally, when I look at that, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I would be a person who would indulge. I, if I was just, okay, I had nothing else that I wanted to read and this was just there, I would probably pick it up and kind of thumb through and that's about it. But uh, I don't know. Um, Cover? <laughs> yeah, I see. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't know what to make of it. Like I said, it's a little esoteric. If you look at of of woman of salt, we put it up again. I'm sorry, put it up again once more. Yeah, of woman and salt. Yeah, I, I and then you can and then again you can look at it again and just kind of like think that uh, if you're reading too much into that title, that there are some biases that kind of make a correlation to when I see the salt and the woman <laughs> in correlation, you know. So I don't know. I mean, it seems like what you guys are talking about. Uh, I just wanted to kind of listen because I've missed out on a lot of the readings and uh, the dialogues. And I just wanted to see where you were in your reading and just kind of hear the conversation between everyone here um, that these books or this particular book was more geared towards a certain culture and that individuals were I guess, reading into, um, how should I say? I'm not for certain because I haven't, like I said, I haven't read, but it just seems like there are certain uh, perceptions about maybe the gender or the men within this particular reading and also with the women and how it was kind of, you know, various genres within that text or within that book. So, I mean, I would have to read it, and now I'm going to read it because you put me on the spot, Dr. Amit, and I appreciate that. You're very, very, very welcome. I love you very much. No, that's why I did it. <laughs> that's I, I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, Deborah's here. I'm like, what am I doing? Am I trying to like be like, don't come back? She'll put me on the spot. I'm like, no, you're welcome. Please come back anytime. <laughs> like as Jen Brown says, no pressure. Okay, um, for me, title is, I don't even know, now that I know how the title was based just randomly, I'm just going to give it a two, and the cover, I don't understand, I think this is the flower from Cuba, is that right? Or something like that, cover is another, meh, it's a 
two. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's double two. Dr. Healy, you're next. Um, I expected there to be many more flowers or like ocean views in, in the book based on, on the cover and the, uh, or maybe they worked in like a florist shop or some, in a salt factory. I don't know. I expected there to be more of those things in the book and they really weren't. So it didn't, I, I had no idea what I was getting into. So, so title, I agree. I would give it a two. I, I thought the cover was pretty and, uh, it looks appealing. And so I probably would have picked it up and like read the synopsis. So I'll give that part a three, <laughs> but but as far as fitting what actually is in the book, I, I don't know that they mesh very well. Jen Brown. Yeah, I have a pre-read and a post-read score. When you talked about this book and I went and looked it up because I hadn't heard of it, I thought, oh, it looks like right up my alley. It looks like something I'm really going to like. It looks interesting. I like the look of the cover. I like the font of the words on the cover. I like the title. It's, you know, intriguing. I'm going to like this. I like the ripped off look of the paper that creates the, you know, waves of the ocean. Like, this is going to be good. I'm excited. And then once I read it, it was like, this was totally unintentional. They just like jumbled a bunch of stuff to, together to make it enticing, I guess. Or maybe like you said, Flatiron had a hand in it. And they were like, let's lead people to pick it up, even if it has nothing to do with what's inside. So initially I would have given it, you know, a four for both the title and the cover now that I've read it, I'm with you. I'm, I'm double twoing it because I just don't think it's intentional. I think it's just kind of, yeah, uh, sure. That looks good. And also where's all the detention center and all of that in this cover? Um, yeah. So I'm going to do what Jen Brown did because I thought that the title, I would have probably given a four, even after reading it, I probably would have given it a four, just thinking that it was intentional. But now knowing that she did an interview and was like, oh, they're just women in salt came up a lot. So the, there you go. Uh, <laughs> that is very disappointing for me. So now I'm going to say it's down to like a one or a two because that's pretty unintentional. I agree. The cover, I, I would have given it a two to a three to begin. Like it, it looks appealing, but it's not very informative. And the other thing I would say is that after reading the story, I feel like there should have been like a bird. You know, like, I think some, like that, some of the more powerful statements that were made in there and it's like around birds and stuff like that. I mean, th there could have been, I think, something a little bit related to that, that would have been nice. You know, I think in the future, I'm definitely going to add, tell me about the cover design to my author questions, because there's some authors, I talk about it and then they say, oh, Flatiron came up with a couple of these. And then they're like, what do you like? And I liked it and I picked that. But I just don't ask that question too often. I know I asked an independent author that question and she consulted with her own artist that she had like someone somewhere in Germany and she got the cover. But I think I'm going to ask that as a standard now. From now on, now I'm really, really super curious. I'm going to just put that in my author questions. Who, uh, Dr. Healy, did you talk? You did, right? Okay. All right. So final question, our favorite question of all. The big rating of this book, how would you rate the book? I'm just trying to think. For me, uh, I wanted to say pre-3, post-2, but I just, I don't have the heart I just feel bad to move it down to a two. 
as a reading and I gave Girl Woman Other. I think I gave it like a two-ish, three-ish. So that's kind of where I'm going to, I'll just call it a two-ish, three-ish, whatever that means. So there you have it. That's my rating of the book. All right. Who's going for rating next? All right, Jen Brown. It's a three for me because two is usually like, I'm not going to finish this sucker. I can't wait to tell people how bad it is. And I don't know if I've ever given a one. That's, that'd be real. That'd be, that's reserved for like, I don't know. So three is, three is pretty low for me for a book that I actually finished. And I did finish it and I did want to finish it. And there, you know, there were times where I was like, uh, but it was never a time where I'm like rage quitting because it's that bad. So three for me, solid three. Who's next? I agree. I'll, I'll give it a three also. Taking the title and the cover kind of separately from what was inside. And there were some good parts about it, like uh, some connection with the characters, some storylines that, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I did, I read the whole thing and I, you know, didn't feel like I needed to stop. So that's a positive. Yeah. Just not, didn't jump out at me as being wonderful. Erin, you're left. Um, so I have it at a four right now. And I mean, mainly because th- there were some pieces of writing that I really enjoyed the how she wrote, like her prose. And I liked a lot of stuff from the story that it doesn't get highlighted in other storylines. But I will say I should probably not listen to any interviews with her because my score may come down dramatically because maybe I'm reading more into this than what the intent was. Erin, you, I feel, tend to read into a story. You're, you're like so wonderful. You want things to work and you put things, you're like, no, this is what the author meant. No, this book is actually good. No, this cover means something. No, the title absolutely means, you like, you just take it and you just embellish it. You're, you're like the book makeup person. You just throw things in, like make it. <laughs> something Dr. Healy, you're next. Oh, I was just going to say art is what we make of it, right? So everybody views art a little differently. And so maybe Aaron got more out of it than was originally intended, but that just makes it better. <laughs> so Okay. Uh, Jen Brown. One other thing, I know we don't want to talk about her interviews either, but another interesting thing she did say in the interview is that she's the protege of, of Roxanne Gay. Um, who was her like thesis teacher in school. And that's who encouraged her writing. She was, I guess, like taking a creative writing course with Roxane Gay, who, who's, who's great, right? And so I think that maybe, I don't know what, where I'm trying, what, what positive thing I'm trying to pull out of this, but um, I think that maybe under, under different tutelage, the uh, Roxane Gay is an art, as an author. She wrote a book called Hunger. Um, she wrote a bunch of books. She's a active in like the Goodreads community. She comments on a lot of books that are popular and you should, you should look her up. But I think that maybe without Roxanne Gay behind her, this book might have not had the same popularity that it, that it got. You know, I think she uh, even has a little, she has a blurb on the back of this too. On that, that makes a note, lot of sense. It's a lot of books. Like lately, if you look at a book in the past, I don't know how far past. I, I kind of think when I was a kid almost or even like in my 20s, you'd pick up a book at a bookstore and you'd pick it up. And actually this book does have a description of the book, okay? But nowadays, a lot of books just have quotes from, there you go, just quote, there you go. Your copy has just quotes 
from different authors. And you're like, no, I want to know. Yeah, it's on the front page. Yeah, it's like, I'm like, I don't care about all these other quotes. I just want to know what is this book about? But I think, I don't know where I heard this, but apparently there was an author who wrote a book and this uh, publicist or whoever was working with us says, okay, who do you know that you can give the book to that can write you a quote? And she's like, well, I know this person and this person. He's like, no, think bigger. Who are you connected with? And apparently he's like, no, think bigger. And finally, it's kind of like, well, there's this person maybe. And he's like, no, contact that person. And I think that's how books sell. So I just think I need to um, just contact Mateo Skaripur and Hala Alian once my book comes out and be like, please just write a quote from me. It's like, I mean, that's what sells the book because then I don't have to write a good book. It's just like I need to have a good, I just need to have a good quote, right? <laughs> like, okay, I'm making it sound like the book is horrible. It's not horrible. I know it's a two or three. It's, it's a decent book. It's well-written. It's got stories and, you know, but uh, it wasn't like a hands down, oh my gosh, have you read of women and salt? Because there are like books where you read it and it's like, like that book back there, a man called Uva. But then again, I had a secret love affair with Bachman ever since I read that book. And my husband knows, but you know, it's like, I'm kind of like, have you guys read A Man Called Uva? Have you read Beartown? Have you read Backman thing? And I, I know Jen Brown's looking at me like, you're the one who doesn't like Backman, right? Yeah, I'm a huge, I'm a Backman nut, so I'll just shut up because otherwise you're going to break my heart. So <laughs> like, but, yeah, but anyway, it, there are like books you read and you're like, everybody, guys, you've got to read this book. Like cast, you know, you're talking about a nonfiction book. We all gave it five stars and we're all like, no, drop everything you're reading and read this book. I mean, there are some great fictions that, you know, like The Heart's Invisible Furies or just there are some books that you're just like, no, you absolutely have to read this book. I think we've done a few in book club too. Like, like um, what was that? Nahar, now I can't remember the name. Against the Loveless World, this is, I'll never live that one down. Against the Loveless World, it's an excellent, excellent, excellent book. And I would recommend people read it. It's just so good. So it's that, you know, it has those kind of qualities. You know, a book needs to have that kind of qualities before you can give it like five. Yeah. In the past, when I was reading, I'd like everything was a five. And then now as I'm reading a lot more, I'm going, um, you're good. It's a really, really good book. I'll just give you a four. It's a really good book. I'll give you four, but it's not, I'm not going to shout it up from the mountaintops. I'm not going to text Erin and tell her, drop everything. You have to read this or else we can't be friends. You know, I'm not going to do that. So, yep. All right. What else do we, uh, anything else about Of Women and Salt? Okay. We're officially closing book club then. Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed our uh, book club conversation about Off Women and Salt. Upcoming for the podcast is going to be another book club episode, our June book club. And that is The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune. So stay tuned for that. Before I go, if you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. 
please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. I'm also on Clubhouse. Look me up by name. I'm on TikTok. My tag is at Dr. Shnaz Ahmed. But I think the page is called Living a Life Through Books. I'm still new to TikTok and still navigating the waters there. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's a different kind of audio app, but it's still a good way to reach me. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time. It's time.